moving from a lack of intentionality into being intentional in all that we do is one of the important steps in growing as a creator. So in this episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast, we are going to be talking about intentionality with song sections. And this will be part one of a two-part series. Let's talk about it. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Joseph Adala. Honored that you take some time out of your busy day to talk songwriting with me rather than listening to the latest Joe Rogan podcast or whatever else you might normally be listening to. I'm glad that songwriting as a craft is important enough to you that you want to listen to any songwriting podcast. And of course, I'm honored that you would choose this one. We're talking about intentionality with song sections. If you're new to songwriting or you've just been caught in a rut recently, be sure to check out my free guide on 10 different ways to start writing a song. It's at songwritertheory.com slash free guide. Talks about five ways to start a song from a lyrical standpoint, five ways from a musical standpoint. Great way to get out of a creative rut uh, because sometimes our creative ruts are simply created by trying to write songs in the same way over and over again. I know usually when I get in a creative rut, it's because I just have tried to write too many songs in a row that are all just me sitting at a keyboard, me sitting at a keyboard, me sitting at a piano. Eventually, I need to do something different. I need to start with lyrics first. I need to reverse engineer a song based off of a song title that I come up with that I think is cool or perhaps starting instead with a bass line or starting with a cool sound that I make out of a ceiling fan or whatever it might be. So if you're interested in that, songwritertheory.com slash free guide, 10 different ways. Let's talk about intentionality and song sections. So first I mentioned in the intro that this is going to be a two-parter. And this first part is going to concentrate on what I would consider the three core song sections and probably the three oldest song sections. And then part two is going to concentrate on some of the more modern song sections. So in this one, we're going to be talking about verse, chorus, and bridge, diving deep into those three. And then the follow-up, we'll be talking about song sections like pre-choruses, post-choruses, and even stuff like thinking through how maybe you could create your own type of song section and different ways that we can evolve song sections. Because no one ever said that you have to simply utilize verses and choruses and pre-choruses like everyone else. And pre-choruses eventually sort of came out of nowhere, right? And post-choruses, and now those things are everywhere, especially pre-choruses. But Pre-choruses, post-choruses, and some other stuff we'll be talking about in the next episode. We're talking about what I consider the core three song sections for modern music in this one. So first, the verse. The verse is what I would consider the default section. Or another way to look at a verse is it's often referred to, and especially for things like ABA form and ABABCA form and all that stuff, usually the a section. So what is a verse? Well, one example we can give is if you have one song section that repeats four times in your song, and that's the only song section your song has, that would default to being considered a verse. So especially with older songs, you see this sort of things. Like 
for example, the times they are a changing by Bob Dylan. That doesn't have any song section but one that repeats. And the lyrics change, but the the overall meter of it and the overall melody of it and chords of it, harmony of it, all that stays the same. The only thing that changes are the lyrics that are on top of it. And we would default to saying, oh, so it's just a verse. And I believe in the song there's four verses or perhaps five. And unless your song has a very non-standard song structure with no sections that repeat, that repeat musically, you will almost certainly have verses in your song. The only example I can think of off the top of my head, or while writing this episode, I should say, that, don't, that doesn't have a verse is Bohemian Rhapsody because it just has like an A section, a B section, a C section, a D section. And I forget if there's, an, uh, if there's more than that. But there isn't really any type of section that repeats in any way. But for like 99.9% of songs, probably more, there are going to be verses in those songs. Verses overall establish sort of a, a default setting for your song in a way. It's a familiar musical section that offers lyrical variety. So they sort of give us a form of parallelism. George Lucas, creator of Star Wars, is uh, famous for saying that he feels that stories should rhyme. And that's sort of how he explained parallel parallelism in stories. And assuming you've seen the first six Star Wars movies, Anakin very much echoes Luke, not only because Anakin is the father of Luke, but also because that is an intentional story structure that George Lucas is going for. He wanted them to be parallels of each other. Now, one goes down a dark path, and the other, of course, chooses not to go down the dark path, which is a part of the beauty of that parallelism. But overall, what we get is, yeah, the two stories are different, but they both have clear echoes of each other. They both have a very similar main character, just makes different choices in one than the other, which really helps to show the similarities, but also the differences. It helps the movies in George Lucas's parlance to rhyme. This is a, sort of the same thing we're doing with verses. They often have the same overall form, but they technically have different lyrics. The harmony is going to be the same. The chord progression is going to be the same. The melody is the same. But the only difference is in verse one, you might be in four stanzas or in four lines talking about, you know, how you met the love of your life. And then in the second one, it's talking about the day you married that person. And then the third one is you guys on your deathbed together, something like that. So the story or part of the story changes, but overall the form of it is the same. It's going to have the same amount of lines. It's going to have the same melody, the same harmony. And on that, verses often are where the entire story of the song is contained. Because choruses, which we'll get into later, often deal with more thematic material. The verses are often where we're getting our core story of two people who meet and fall in love or an older person dealing with the repercussions of their choices or whatever your story is. 
Often that is contained in the verses. Also, of our modern song sections, verse, pre-chorus, chorus, post-chorus, bridge, all that stuff, verses are the oldest of those song sections that we have. It's been around basically since we've had any form of song. Way back before we had all these different fancy song sections, we simply had basically poetry put to music. And poetry doesn't have any sense of different types of song sections and repeating song sections. It instead just has one form that repeats with different words, which is just the same as a verse. So when should we utilize a verse? The easy and also mostly honest answer is pretty much always. Uh, unless you're wanting to explore a very non-standard song structure that just continues to meander and has no sense of parallelism and just goes A, B, C, D, E, F until the song is done, you're going to have verses. And if you have a story that you want to rhyme metaphorically, or if you have a story you want to tell and you have several acts, such as a three-act structure that you could uh, create in your story, likely that's going to equate to verses. And then how should we utilize a verse? We should utilize a verse as the standard song section that is the primary carrier of your song story. So it's a standard song section, one that almost by default, we just know we're going to have verses. If anything, the burden of proof is on someone to not have verses. I don't think we need to prove to ourselves, oh yes, the song needs verses. We should default to verses and ask ourselves if we can prove that it really doesn't need verses and that it can get away with, say, a Bohemian Rhapsody style of writing where it just sort of continues to explore and doesn't really repeat in any way, shape, or form. And we also should utilize a verse as a section that creates familiarity via the form and meter of the words and harmony, but difference in the actual words and story, because that's ultimately what a verse provides us, right? It's the same music, but different lyrics. If we were to really break down a verse to its most simple, it would basically be that. Different lyrics, same music. Because your first verse, your second verse, your third verse, if you have one, is going to have the same music every time. Now, your arrangement may change slightly, but overall, the underlying chord structure, the underlying harmony, as well as the melody, is likely going to be the same. And sure, you might do some slight changes to the melody and future verses. But generally, it's the same rough melody, whether you go off and add some, some sort of fancy stuff on the top of the melody or something. Uh, certainly that happens, especially with uh, artists that are wanting to show off their vocals in, in their songs. Very often they will adjust off of the melody a little bit more in future verses. But generally speaking, your verses by default have all the same melody. So then there's the chorus. The chorus I would consider the 
the musical climax. That's ultimately what a, what a chorus is. And diving deeper into what it is, choruses historically first started showing up sometime in the mid-1800s, it seems, but started to really become an essential song section mainstay sometime in the mid-1900s, which really isn't that long ago. So we're looking at like 70 years of the normalization of choruses being in music. And how far we've come because today's music, I would say, lives and dies by the chorus. I mean, if you have a great chorus, that can carry a song. And and certainly if you don't have a great chorus, then your song is is likely just done. Like it's shot at being something that people like is almost none. Obviously, slightly different rules if your song doesn't have a chorus, but the vast majority of songs have choruses, and in the vast majority of music, the chorus is by far the most important song section that we have. And choruses overall, most often, repeat both lyrically and musically. So, while we have verses that simply repeat musically, but the lyrics change, choruses, in their most basic form, repeat both lyrically and musically. And overall, a chorus must repeat to be considered a chorus. So, just as a quick example of, of what would not be considered a chorus, if you have a song structure like A-A-B-A, which is a common older song structure, A-A-B-A, the B section would likely be considered a bridge rather than a chorus as it doesn't repeat, right? Because A repeats, but B doesn't repeat at all. But if we took A-B-A-B form, then the, the B section would be a chorus because now it does repeat. So at its most basic, and there's more to it than this, but at its most basic, you can see the difference between a chorus and a bridge as fundamentally a chorus repeats and repeats everything, lyrically and musically. And a bridge, by definition, does not repeat. It just happens once. There are certainly exceptions to this, but generally speaking, that's a good place to start for understanding the difference. And also nearly by definitions, a chorus functions as the musical high point of a song. And the reason nearly by definition is they were originally called choruses in reference to the idea of a vocal chorus or a vocal choir. And it's based off of the idea of how when you have a whole choir singing or a whole chorus of people singing rather than just, say, a soloist, that adds thickness to the song, that, that builds the song naturally. We all know this implicitly, even if we've never really thought about it, but if you have a choir and first there's just a soloist that's just singing and then the whole choir joins in, that naturally makes that section that the whole choir joins in much bigger and seem like more of a main point and is emphasized in a way that a soloist simply couldn't do by themselves. And that's what the term chorus comes from, is that whole idea. So... Really, by definition, a chorus functions as a musical high point of a song. 
And they also tend to contain the main or central idea of the song. Because while verses are often driven by story, choruses are often driven by the main idea or theme. And this is why very often you would see the title of your song literally being from the chorus. Most often, it's probably the first line of your chorus or probably most common of all, the last line of your chorus. Because the last line of your chorus and first line of your chorus are naturally emphasized lines because generally the first and last of things are are, are what's most emphasized um, for, for, for pretty much anything, right? Uh, if you think of like a movie series, if the first part of the movie series is great and the wrap-up is great, if it kind of loses its way in the middle, usually people don't consider that a huge deal. But if you drop the ball on the end of a story, that is a massive deal. That's a massive deal, the biggest deal of all. That's where you get things like Lost, right? Where like everybody loved that show. And now it's like a, a universally, I wouldn't say crapped on show. Usually people are like, oh, it was so good. And then it got so bad. But like nobody really talks about it fondly unless it's in the context of only the first couple seasons anymore. Because if you can't wrap it up, nobody ends up caring. Because it doesn't matter. If the, if the whole thing ended up being a sham and a joke and stupid, then, then what does it matter? And there are other certain movie series that may or may not have done this, but we will not go there. So, it's important to get the first and the last right. And that importance is in anything, whether it's a sports league or your chorus. And there's just a natural emphasis on the last game of the season in the same way that there's a natural emphasis on the last line of your chorus. Same with the first. So this is why often the first or last line of your chorus tends to be the title of your song because the title of your song also tends to have to do with theme and your chorus has to do with theme and the most important part of your chorus and the most emphasized part of your chorus, likely the part of your chorus that most clearly states or paints a picture that displays the theme is going to be your first or last line, which is why your title ultimately usually comes from there. So when should we utilize a chorus? In today's day and age, we probably should just default to utilizing a chorus because the vast majority of songs do utilize choruses. At this point, if a song doesn't have a chorus, that would be totally different and a shock. That might not be true in every genre, but any genre that is even remotely meant for the masses, and when I say that, I'm including anything like R&B, pop, rock, uh, even most modern day, even most modern day rap has, has choruses, right? Um, especially pop rap, country, all the the genres that are are mainstream or mainstream adjacent are going to heavily utilize a chorus to the point that it would be shocking if you heard a country song and it didn't have a chorus, or a rock song and it didn't have a chorus. So we probably should default to utilizing a chorus, but perhaps the better question is to ask when we should consider not utilizing a chorus. 
And times to maybe not utilize a chorus are if the verses give us all of the story and theme that we need, and it would feel redundant or just unhelpful to have a chorus to address the theme, then maybe maybe don't have a chorus, right? If the verses build and build and and it sort of reduces the need of the the musical excitement that a chorus tends to bring because you know the if the verses are building constantly and let let's say the whole song is just five verses in a row but they're musically building and building then it might not actually be necessary to take advantage of one of the main elements of a chorus which is that musical excitement that you get because we're already creating that via the build over the repetition. Or if our verses have a refrain to still give some lyrical repetition and and hit at a central idea or theme, that's another case where we may not utilize a chorus. Great example of this is The Times They Are Changing by Bob Dylan, which I think I already referenced in this episode, but this is a perfect example of exactly what I'm talking about here, where every verse just ends with the times they are a changing, which has the same melody and has that same line. And that line is also the name of the song because it's the refrain that's in every verse. It's the last line of every verse, the times they are a changing at the end of every verse. And that's the only part that repeats lyrically, but it it already handles the entire theme of the song right there. So there really isn't a need to have an entire chorus to address it because it's addressed in context of the verses with the wrap-up line of the times they are a-changing. So how should we utilize a chorus? We should utilize it as the peak of our songs, specifically the musical peak of our songs which will be important in a second. It should usually have the highest melody, so the highest pitches in your melody should most often be in the chorus. It would be very rare to have a chorus that is sung lower than a verse. Most of the time that ends up sounding really anticlimactic and frankly boring. If you've ever uh, gone to a concert or seen some performance where someone actually sings the chorus um, instead of hitting the high notes, they actually just sing it an octave down. And sometimes that means that it's either in the same pitch range as the verse or oftentimes even lower than the verse was. You know, it just totally takes the teeth off of the chorus, right? The chorus just loses all excitement. It's, it's just toast immediately. Even if everything else about the chorus is exactly the same, it does not matter. Just going down the octave vocally immediately ruins it. So it's important that the chorus have that peaked melody. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the highest melody in the song. You could go higher in the bridge. You could have a few notes here and there in the verse that maybe go higher. But generally speaking, the highest melody of your song should definitely be in your chorus. We also should generally strive to have the thickest and biggest arrangement in our chorus. So if you're recording your song... Probably, if you just look at the number of tracks playing during any section of your mu- of your song, probably the most tracks should be playing during the chorus. 
if you are recording the vocals, let's say you have a lead vocal and then three harmony vocals, probably during the verses, you have maybe one harmony vocal that comes in and out. And then the chorus is when you have all three harmony vocals, right? Just in general, going back to the the whole reason why it's called a chorus, it's important that your chorus feel like the thickest and biggest part of your song, or at the very least, thicker and bigger than the verses. Now, of course, there can be some limited exception to this. Usually, a common exception to this is the first chorus is sometimes sung down the octave and with a small arrangement, maybe just with like an acoustic guitar. But then the second chorus on is when you get the big full chorus. That certainly is something that is often utilized, but they do eventually get to the quote-unquote real chorus, which is the big, thick, high melody chorus. Also, our chorus is where it's most important to just nail some memorable lines. Oftentimes, if your chorus doesn't have a line that you feel could be the the title of your song, that probably is not a good sign for your chorus. Your chorus should be filled with great, memorable lines. And, And memorable lines both lyrically and musically, because very often the the vocal hook of a song is in the chorus. If there's one part of the vocals that really stands out, it oftentimes is in the chorus. And that's not to be confused with the more general term hook, uh, which often is in reference to, say, like a guitar hook that you would have that's just meant to catch somebody's ear in the verses or a piano hook, which is meant to be a memorable piano part. Again, most often during the verses, that's a total, that's a separate thing, but also the same central idea. When we talk about a a vocal hook, that very often is just talking about like the the one part of a melody that that really catches the listener's ear. Very often, say in pop music, you'll have the chorus that really is the exact same melodic phrase repeated like four times. And sometimes the lyrics don't even change. Um, and it's, it's, it's very catchy, right? It's, it, it hooks people in. And that's often why, um, especially in pop music, sometimes they'll even refer to a chorus as a hook. I think there's a lot of problems with re- referring to a chorus as a hook. Um, which we won't get into here because it's it's probably not worth the time. But one of the reasons and one of the main reasons that I will say is, is simply in the name of ubiquitous language. Um, ubiquitous language is basically the idea that you, you're being precise about, you know, one word means exactly one thing. And you're, and you're just being clear about like, when I, when I say chorus, you know what I mean by chorus and we're both in agreement. Um, so when you utilize the term hook, I have to I have to ask the follow up what do you mean by hook? Do you mean like a chorus or do you mean like a guitar hook? And the fact that I need to ask that means it's not really a great term. Whereas when you say chorus, I know exactly what you're talking about. Chorus is a song section. Theoretically, maybe you could be talking about like a choir, but we don't really use that term for a choir anymore. We all know what a chorus is. I would use the same argument by the way for why we shouldn't call a chorus a refrain. A chorus technically is a refrain. It's a specific type of refrain, but calling a chorus or a refrain is unnecessarily confusing because a chorus is a chorus. Just call it a chorus. 
and utilize the term refrain for something that is a refrain and not a chorus, like the times they are a changing, which in the context of the song, the times they are a changing, that line is a refrain. It's not a chorus, but it is a refrain. But every chorus is, is a refrain. I have a whole video breaking down a chorus versus refrain if you want more on that on the YouTube channel, Songwriter Theory, um, which you can find at youtube.com slash at songwriter theory. I think that's how you find it these days, but regardless. Last for this episode is the bridge. And if the verse is the default section and the chorus is the musical climax section, then the bridge is the contrast section. Overall, the term comes from Germany, actually, and was ba- it, now it's bridge because English, but, but originally the song section came from whatever the German word for bridge is, and it was used to describe a transitional or contrasting song section, and, and that started all the way back in sometime in the 1400s, they think. It's a little hard to tell because, well, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know if there are too many people tracking song sections back in the day, but the term as we use it today largely came to the U.S. from German songwriters in the 1930s. And a bridge by definition is a section that bridges one to another. That's why it's called a bridge, right? A bridge takes you from point A to point B or from the island back to the mainland or the mainland back to the island. and Often, a bridge operates as a way to create a contrasting section between two choruses or between a chorus and another verse. Just to illustrate why I think bridges can be important, especially in some longer songs, let's take two of the most basic song architectures. Let's take a basic A, B, A, B, A, B, otherwise known as a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. So this is a standard song structure where you have three verses and choruses. Now, whether the last chorus repeats or not doesn't really matter. But generally speaking, we're just saying it goes from verse one, chorus, verse two, chorus, verse three, chorus. Whether some of those choruses repeat twice or whatever doesn't matter. How to Save a Life would be a famous example of a song that utilizes verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus without any real bridge. So if we were to adjust and basically say new versus old, whenever we get a song section, that is the first time we've ever heard that song section musically, then we would have new, new, old, 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 right? Because we get a verse, which is new because that's the, it's the first verse. Of course it's new. And then we have a chorus. It's the first time we've heard the chorus. So that's new. But then we get another verse. Okay, that's old. We've already heard that. Yeah, the lyrics changed, but the music's the same. And then the chorus, we've already heard that. And then the third verse, which again, musically, is the same. We've already heard that. And then the chorus, we've already heard that. So after the second song section, we're already done getting anything new. And if we reduce it into couplets of a or pairs of verse and chorus together, you could see it as we essentially have a AAA song where it's just a couplet of verse chorus printed or repeated three times. 
If we simply change that third verse to a bridge instead, all of a sudden we get verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. And then to go to the new, new, old thing, we would get new, new, old, old, new, old. Which, if you compare new, new, old, old, new, old to new, new, old, 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 even with me just saying those words, I bet new, new, old, old, new, old kept you way more on your toes than new, new, old, 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 old. So certainly, if we extend that out into you know a four-minute song, a bridge gives you that something different late in the song when the song, frankly, often desperately needs it. Because otherwise, very often, if we go by minute markers, your chorus is usually done by a minute into the song, maybe a minute 15 into the song, and that means in a song that only has verses and choruses that musically you've already heard everything that that song will ever play. Which isn't great if the song has three minutes left in a four-minute song. So bridges, almost by definition, do not repeat musically or lyrically. Theoretically, a bridge that repeats blurs the line between a chorus and a bridge or blurs the line between a post-chorus and a bridge. And we're going to talk about post-choruses in the next episode. But just for frame of reference, going back to an earlier example, if we have A, A, B, A for song sections, in that case, B would be considered a bridge because it doesn't repeat. But if we had A-A-B-A-B, just adding a B to the end of A-A-B-A, now all of a sudden B seems like it's a chorus. Or in A-B-A-B, very common older song structure, B is definitely a chorus or usually would be considered a chorus. So fundamentally, one of, the, one of those fundamental differences between a bridge and a chorus is a chorus must repeat by definition and a bridge must not repeat by definition or almost by definition. Again, there are always exceptions to this, although I think it definitely could be argued that any bridge that repeats, specifically what usually happens is you have a chorus and then a bridge that always repeats after every chorus at some point. So you'll have like verse, chorus, verse two, chorus, bridge, chorus, bridge, and then sometimes that repeats a bunch. Um, which, at least to my knowledge, the only genre I can think of that does that is worship music. Um, I would argue that really it's a post-chorus at that point or a secondary chorus. But regardless, if we put together what we've learned so far for verses, choruses, and bridges and really simplified it, you could see a verse as a section that repeats musically and not lyrically. A chorus is something that repeats musically and lyrically. And a bridge repeats neither musically nor lyrically. Which, by the way, leaves, leaves only one option, which is repeating lyrically and not musically. Maybe, maybe a song section that repeats lyrically, but actually changes up the music, maybe simply the underlying chords, uh, maybe you know the basically the song section is 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 reharmonized, 
or perhaps the entire melody is adjusted and made different. Maybe that's the future of song sections. Maybe someday that will become a new song sections type because we've utilized everything else, right? Between verse, chorus, and bridge, we've utilized every other combination of musically and lyrically repeating and not repeating. Uh, so it makes sense that eventually that might be something that's tried. I don't think they'll work as well as the three we have for reasons that I don't think we have time to get into. But another fundamental idea of a bridge is it basically always follows a chorus or sometimes a post-chorus, which is in a way just an extension of a chorus, and they don't follow a verse. A bridge can be followed by either a chorus or a verse, though. So almost always, a bridge is something that is after a chorus. Almost always. And if you include after a post-chorus with after a chorus, uh, it's I mean, it's like almost 100%. I can think of almost no... I, I don't think I can think of a single example of something that goes from a verse to a bridge. But it's very common to exit out of a bridge just right back into a chorus or into a verse, most often a third verse. If your bridge repeats and always takes place after a chorus, it's arguably a post-chorus, which again, we're covering next episode. So when should we utilize a bridge? If your song has two verses, and it feels like there's more story or information that needs to be told that may recontextualize the chorus or operate as a sort of plot twist, very often that should be in the form of a bridge. If your song has three verses, but the third verse feels boring due to the large amount of repetition, as we talked about with the whole new, new, old, 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 which is what happens when you have no other section that's fresh and new after the first chorus, then that could be a good opportunity to utilize a bridge. And, and in, in this case, you might want to consider replacing the third verse with a bridge or simply add a bridge before the third verse. If there's time in the song, meaning let's say you really feel like the song starts to drag if it goes to four and a half minutes and putting a bridge before your third verse would stretch it to four and a half minutes and now it feels draggy, then maybe don't do that. Maybe replace the third verse with the bridge. Ultimately, do what's best for your song, but make sure that there's going to be something important to say in both the bridge and the third verse if you opt to have both, which gets into how we should utilize a bridge. I like to think of the bridge as a story climax of the song, which is different from the musical climax of the song, which you may remember that I made a point of the chorus being the musical climax. And the reason for that is because it seems to me that most often and when utilized most effectively, the chorus is handling the theme and is the overall musical peak of the song. Great. But a story usually has a climax of its own, right? If you look at three-part story structure, usually in the third act is where the climax takes place, where finally Superman beats up on, I don't know why I pick Superman, where, where Batman beats up on the Joker, 
and fi- finally beats the Joker, right? In a third act climax or when Luke finally beats Vader or whatever it might be. So it makes sense that we would have a story climax as well as simply a musical climax. And we know that they can't be the same in our standard song structures because the chorus is usually dealing with theme. And that is going to be our musical climax. So where does a story climax get to be? Well, it makes sense that the bridge would be the place because a a bridge musically is usually more intense and certainly more contrasting than verses, which makes it a natural place to have the climax of your story or your big plot twist in your story. And most often, bridges are going to come in in one of, of two basic places, either in verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, or in verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, verse, chorus, which if you just remove the choruses, you basically get verse, verse, bridge, or verse, verse, bridge, verse. And as you can see, those, those line up perfectly for, let's take verse, verse, bridge. That lines up perfectly for a three-act structure with the bridge being the climax and the wrap-up of the story. Verse, verse, bridge, verse is perfect for a three-act structure with the bridge being the climax and then that final third verse being like the epilogue or the bridge being the twist and that third verse actually finishing the story. It just naturally fits for that. And then musically, your bridge is a great place to have your most significant changes. So significant melodic style change, like maybe the whole, all the melodies you've used so far are very legato. Then maybe having a staccato melody in the bridge is a great way to change it up. Or maybe you've spent your whole song in C major and you want to change it up a little bit. The most common place to go to a, a, a key's relative minor is in the bridge to the point that it's, it's, it's almost, especially if you go back like 10 years, it probably would be like a meme to be like, oh, it's, it's kind of like in the 70s or whatever, where they did a key change for every last chorus. I mean, I feel like there isn't a Barry Manilow song that doesn't have a key change up a half step for the final chorus to make it even bigger and more exciting. They overutilized it so much in the 70s, that trick, which is a great trick, but it just was overutilized. And you could say to the, to a lesser degree, but sort of the same thing for relative minor in a bridge. That being said, it's still an effective tool, just like a key change is, so n- not something that you should simply not do. I would argue it's not really overused and anymore anyway. It never really got super overused. But another thing to do or consider doing is, again, let's say your whole song is just in a major or minor key. If there's one place that you're going to change it up harmonically and actually utilize a borrowed chord, the bridge is probably the place. So if I were to tell you, like, hey, next song you write, utilize one borrowed chord, just just one, most likely that one borrowed chord would end up in your bridge. And I would encourage you to have it end up in your bridge. It certainly could be in your choruses, um, but but most of the time it's probably going to end up in the bridge because that's the natural place where things are changing up anyway. So it makes sense to have 
some different harmony and to have a borrowed chord in the bridge because, well, <laughs> that's sort of what the bridge is for, for doing something different. If your song's story has a big time jump, the bridge is the perfect place to have it. If your song's story has a big twist, bridge is the perfect place. If your story's character has a momentary change of heart, bridge, perfect place. If your story's character falls into darkness or finally comes into the light, a big change, right? That's probably where you would have your bridge. Think the when Anakin falls to the dark side in the roughly the middle end of the middle of Star Wars Episode 3. If your dark story were to have a moment of hope, it would be in the bridge. If your happy story were to have a moment of tension or a moment of darkness, then it probably would be, you guessed it, in the bridge. So next week, we're going to cover some of the slightly less common song sections, the less core song sections, talk again about intentionality with the sections, talking about, first of all, what are these things at their core? And then when should we utilize them as well as a little bit about how we should consider utilizing them. Again, if you haven't already, be sure to pick up my free guide, songwritertheory.com slash free guide. Talks about 10 different ways to start writing a song if you want to get started on songwriting right now, unless, of course, it's 3 o'clock in the morning and you're already still awake far past when you should be. Um, which is the perfect time to songwrite usually in my experience anyway, maybe not three o'clock in the morning, but, uh, I don't know if I told the story before, but it, it became like a joke with my bandmates in in college back in the day that one of my bandmates who I, I, I lived with, we were in the same unit of a dorm. And at some point he noticed, man, all the songs that you've been writing that are good, you wrote them past midnight. <laughs> Uh, and it really was a real thing for a while where all my best writing was past midnight. So, hey, maybe it is late and maybe you still want to get started on songwriting. Maybe you've been stuck recently. And who am I to stop you? Who am I to stop you? So go check it out. Songwritertheory.com slash free guide. Check it out. Figure out a new way to start writing a song. Maybe you will get your creativity back more quickly than you thought you could simply by changing up how you start writing a song. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. My apologies on uh, email. I've been behind on email for a bit. I will get to them. Um, but just wanted to let you know, if you're somebody who's emailed me in the last probably month or so, I am behind on that. Uh, working on a project that you all will find out about soon enough. And that has been taking up a lot of my time. An email is what, for the moment, has fallen by the wayside. So my apologies for that. I do appreciate you. I'll get back to you. Uh, just know that I just probably haven't seen it quite yet, uh, but I will be sure to check it out soon. Thank you for all of you who also have left a kind review. It means a lot to me. If you haven't already and this podcast has been helpful to you, best thing you can do to help me out is to go leave a kind review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you in the next one.